3: This is Pro Football Blitz with former Super Contest winners Brady Cannon and James Salinas on VSAN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: Welcome in! It is the Pro Football Blitz. I'm Brady Cannon right here on VSAN and VSAN.com, the Sports Betting Network, live from the VSAN studio inside the Circa Resort and Casino in downtown fabulous las vegas nevada my partner james salinas is along via denver colorado as we get ready to spend the next three hours diving into the week six NFL card. James, great to be with you once again, my friend. uh, Another week in the NFL has passed us by. We are now just a week away from being a third of the way through the season. And before we get into diving into all these games and breaking down the card for week six, I kind of want to reflect just a moment and through the first five weeks now in the books in the NFL season, Who are four teams that you would pick out as your top four? Maybe two from each conference, a couple from the AFC and a couple from the NFC. Who do you have as your top dogs, your top foursome, if
5: you will, through the first five weeks? Brady, I'll start with the AFC. We'll go two teams in the AFC and two teams in the NFC. Right now for me in the uh, the American Football Conference, Got to look at the Bills. I mean, the Bills had a statement game last week, last Sunday night against Kansas City. I was on the other side of that. I wanted to see the Bills go into that environment, be able to compete for 60 minutes at a championship level. Well, there was only one team out there that was competing, at least definitely for that first half. So put mine down as the Bills, not only for how well they played in that game against Kansas City with that statement win, but also think about the division that they're in. Right now, look at that division. If you're looking at the AFC East, there's nothing about the New England Patriots that scares you rookie quarterback Mac Jones out there, and this team can't score as far as the Patriots are concerned. And then you back up, back that up with who's going to play, who's fighting for third and fourth place in that division in the AFC East with the Miami Dolphins and the New York Jets. So it's one of the weaker divisions in the, in the entire league. So give me the bills as one. And I think I'll go with the Chargers as the other, and not so much because of the, the win that they had last week against the Browns, and they got a tough one coming up here against the Ravens on Sunday, but more so if you just look again, look within the division there, well... I thought it was Kansas City's division, and that was just going to be perennially what it was, as long as per- Patrick Mahomes was the quarterback there for the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC West. But that is not the case. Now it's completely flipped. You've got the Chargers sitting up, and we're only roughly—we're we're 30% into the season here, but the Chargers sitting at 4-1, and one, the Chiefs are at the bottom. They're sitting at 2-3, and three, but you look at the rest of that division now— Broncos took advantage of an, uh, an early season schedule. The first three games took advantage of it, did what they needed to do, but played, had to step up in class against competition, and now you've seen them fall back. And now with the Raiders and all the things that are, that are happening with that team when it comes to John Gruden or no more John Gruden and their coaching staff trying to figure out where that team's head is going forward, make mine right now in the AFC, Buffalo Bills and, and the L.A. Chargers, Brady.
4: Well, you know what? It's funny. I'm right there with you. Uh, I think the Bills absolutely look like a juggernaut. It was a very powerful performance over the Kansas City Chiefs on Sun- on Sunday Night Football. I kind of struggled with who my second team was going to be in the AFC. Of course, I looked at Cleveland. I looked at the Baltimore Ravens, this week's opponent for the Los Angeles Chargers. But I went with the Chargers and the Bills as probably my top two teams in the AFC right now. And then the NFC, James, I'm not ready to jump on the train for the Dallas Cowboys just yet. I think there are still some soft spots in that defense. I'm looking at the defending champs, the Buccaneers. They look pretty good on Thursday night. I know they're banged up in the secondary, but they still came out with a victory. Didn't get the cover, but they will get healthier, and we saw that last year as well with the Buccaneers. Their defense seemed to improve As the season went on, and then they peaked in the Super Bowl, and I think Todd Bowles maybe will get that train going again on that defensive side of the ball for Tampa Bay. And then the Los Angeles Rams, I think they are definitely a powerhouse to be reckoned with
5: as well. And and as far as the Buccaneers' concerned, absolutely, I'm right there with it. We know that secondary's got a lot of injuries, but those players will be back at some point as the season progresses, and offensively right now, it's the Tom Brady show, and we expected that. We knew after having a full offseason, which he did not have last year in his inaugural era, his first year going to Tampa, no offseason, no OTAs to speak of, or at least legal OTAs, no preseason games. It was kind of a work in progress all season long as far as their offense was concerned, but now having that, that not only that full season under their belt, winning the Super Bowl, uh, but very driven. I don't think there's a, a more driven, competitive player from a standpoint that just inspires his team to bring effort each and every week like tom brady we've never seen anything like it especially at the quarterback position in the nfl so i'm right there with you with the bucks but i think as far as looking down the list i think about is is we look at the nfc west at, at such a competitive division it's the Rams they can make it out of there how whoever wins that division Brady how beaten up is that team going to be they're going to be battle tested but how battle scarred are they going to be once the season is over thinking about that from top to bottom I know Russell Wilson is going to be gone for quite a while for the Seattle Seahawks but that division is 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 the new black and blue in a sense that it's just so competitive any team can beat any team within their division on any given day. So make mine. I'm going to jump on the Cowboys bandwagon. Ah. And it's partially thinking about how the Cowboys have been playing. Now we know Dak Prescott with question marks coming into the season. How is he going to look? How is he going to be fully healthy from that, that horrific injury that he suffered last year early in the season? Well, he's looked. He picked up right where he left off prior to that injury from last year. But it's not just all falling on Dak. Last year it was all on Dak to have to sling the football all over the place and make plays with his arm, make plays with his feet too. In this case here, aside from that first game, the opening game in Tampa, opening night, where it was a complete shootout for both sides, fun, entertaining game to watch. But... Ultimately, Dallas knew, and Kellen, uh, Kellen Moore knew the offensive coordinator knew they can't just he ha- can't go back and throw the ball 50 plus times a week, and that's not a recipe for success. Got to start running the football. Now they've taken advantage of the last four weeks of some pretty soft defenses have the Dallas Cowboys, but they have really committed themselves to running the football. They're averaging the last four weeks they've averaged 200 yards per game on the ground and maybe 10 more carries game as opposed to passing attempts per game so they found the balance there and lastly love the balance with the cowboys offensively but then look at that division who's scaring you who's jumping up at the where's the big bad boys from the washington football team and that fearsome force them up front they haven't seen it yet. I don't know if we're going to see it all season long. Washington just looks like a mess. Philadelphia is a complete work in progress. And then the New York Giants trying to compete. Well, they, they got brought back down to earth of where they thought they were going to stand in that NFC East with their shellacking last week in Big D. Make mind the Dallas Cowboys to go along with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as the two top teams in the NFC. Yeah,
4: I like how you bring the division picture into the question there, because no question the NFC East is easier than the NFC West. Um, If you're just looking at the best teams, maybe the Rams are better than the Cowboys currently. Many people may have them power rated higher. It could be flipped the other way, but when you're thinking about making a futures play, uh, certainly you have to consider the division, and who is going to have the easier path, and you'd have to say, that is the Dallas Cowboys. All right, my friend, let's dive in here. North Florida versus South Florida across the pond. The Jaguars and the Dolphins will kick off Sunday in London, England. Jacksonville comes in at 0-5. Miami has lost four straight, and they are at 1-4. And I was really surprised to see the Dolphins come out as three-and-a-half-point favorites for this game, James. I made it a pick It opened at three-and-a-half and was bet down pretty quickly to three in favor of Miami. Now, currently, the Dolphins are a three-point favorite with a total of 47. These are two teams certainly at the bottom of the league if you're ranking all 32 teams. What a treat for football
5: fans in London, right, my friend? Where are you on this one? (laughs) Oh, where am I with this one? I'm not playing this game, first and foremost, Brady. Thinking about this matchup, apologies from the NFL should be sent (laughs) over the Atlantic to England. Thinking about last week, you're sending over the Falcons and the Jets. ended up being somewhat of a competitive game in the second half, just a, a dreadful performance from the New York Jets in that first half, but... Now you're going to get the Dolphins and the Jaguars. And I guess if you make it a pick I'll make it a pick with you. I'm not really one that's that very good at setting numbers. I'll let the books do their job and set those set those numbers, and I'll see if I want to bet into it. But in this case here, I'll make it a pick I think this game should be just ending a tie because both of these teams are just so inept on both sides of the football. Let's talk about the Miami Dolphins. You mentioned the, the defensively were that, but more so offensively. I think they have the worst offensive line in the NFL, and it shows what they've been doing offensively or what they haven't been doing offensively. Just no symmetry up front and revolving door quarterback. Now, we know Tua is going to take over the quarterback position in this game. He's going to be back from his rib injury, suffered against the Buffalo Bills a few weeks back. But is that an upgrade? Is that a downgrade? I really don't know, Brady. What, I, I don't know what to make of what we're going to see out of the Dolphins. couple injuries of note, Devontae Parker will not be In this game, he missed last week. He won't be there. Their best wideout won't be available for this contest. Probably their top corner, Avian Howard, not going to be available in this contest either for the Dolphins. And then big injury on the other side with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Their top tackler, linebacker uh, Miles Jack, he is out with a back injury, so missing some talent out there on the field too. There wasn't a whole lot of talent on either of these rosters to begin with, Brady, and now you're missing a few key players as well. I'll go right there with the pick 'em, and let's just make it a let's just say let's just call it a tie. If I bet these games, I'm the eye test guy, Brady. I like to watch these games and learn. I think I've learned all I need to see from both the Dolphins and the Jags, so if I bet it i got to watch it, I'm not going to subject myself to that torture, so no play for me.
4: I actually think the Jaguars have a really good chance to pick up their first win of the year this uh, in this game in London. And one of the reasons is because they should dominate this game from the line of scrimmage. You talk about the offensive line woes for the Miami Dolphins. They're only gaining 3.7 yards per rush, and Jacksonville only gives up 3.8 yards per rush. Conversely, the Dolphins give up 4.4 yards per rush, and the Jaguars run it for 5.3 yards per carry. Urban Meyer has apparently made a plan this week to run heavy on offense, and I really like that. I think that's a very good recipe for success. He's given his team a goal to rush the ball for 250 yards, and I think that'll go a long way. I mean, if that happens, they could beat the Dolphins by double digits here. He's had very good offensive play, uh, offensive line play this season. He does have one player injured, though, Brandon Linder on his offensive line, and that may be his best player on that offensive line. But I tell you what, at the line of scrimmage, and you know, James, especially with the eye test that you employ in your handicapping. That's where football games are won and lost, you know, by and large, on the line of scrimmage offensively and defensively. And I think there's a big advantage there. For as bad as they have looked, they do have a very big advantage in my opinion in this particular matchup over Miami.
5: I believe so. Yeah, you're talking about the from the front line for Miami. Again, this is a, this is an offensive line. that It's a very young offensive line, and it takes time for these guys to be able to gel. Some do it quicker than others, but in this case here, for the Miami Dolphins, worst offensive line in football. But Urban Meyer out there talking about what his game plan is going to be, huh? Going to run for 250 yards? Must have hit the pubs out there in England early to be putting out his game plan that far in advance.
4: This is the Pro Football Blitz with Brady Cannon and James Salinas on v
0: the Sports Betting Network.
4: Welcome back into the Pro Football Blitz. Brady Cannon and James Salinas with you, breaking down week six in the NFL. And we've reached the part of the card where we are now stateside. We covered the, the London clash between the Jaguars and the Miami Dolphins. James, no real opinion there, doesn't want any part of it. I made it a pick him. He says, fine, let's uh, end that thing in a tie. A couple of putrid teams there in the NFL. I lean towards the Jacksonville side. I uh, really think they have a good chance to get their first out white win of the season. I think it's 19. 19- losses in a row that they have going back to last year. Let's make it uh, 1-19 for the Jaguars on Sunday morning in London. The Houston Texans nearly pulled off a second win of the season last week, James, uh, against the Patriots, but they did not hang on in the end. And speaking of not hanging on, the Indianapolis Colts got out to a big lead on Monday night over the Ravens, only to let that slip away and lose that one in overtime I made my line on this game before seeing the Monday Nighter, James, and I actually made it four and a half in favor of the Colts. Now, obviously, I was a long way off here as it opened uh, in favor of the Colts by ten, who are at home in this game. But I tell you what, I have a tough time making the Colts a double-digit favorite over anybody.
5: I agree with you. I'm right there with you. I'm on the Texans. I I I took them plus the ten. Uh, both as a as a bet as well as a contest play for me here, and was considering taking the Texans plus the four and a half in the first half as opposed to taking the Texans for the full game. And my thinking with the Texans is, is the Texans have become, and they, uh, and obviously so, and this was kind of to be expected as the season progressed that the Texans were going to be that flat spot for teams in their schedule. It was going to be that look ahead spot for so many teams, and it's played out that way, right? Texans. It absolutely, it sure yeah. has, and they've been very competitive, especially in the first half. What's happened is, like last week, they couldn't, now they covered last week, it was eight, eight and a half, I, th- I think the the closing number was for the Texans at home as a dog, but they were able to cover that number, couldn't win the game, and Ultimately it's just I just I'm kind of leery though of the Texans being able to make right, the right decisions. Uh Mr. Coach Cully, some very questionable decisions when it comes to when you're gonna punt. More times he's gonna be punting. The times when you're when you should be kicking field goals is when he's punting. And on the other side, when he's kicking field goals, that's when you should be punting it's it's been kind of a debacle for the for the uh long-standing assistant coach for so many decades. But now as the head coach, a lot more decisions have to be made in real time and just not seeing that play out he's learning on the job and that kind of on the job training as far as in-game management goes that's the only reservation i have there but as far as playing against the colts yeah blew a 19 point lead in that second half and kind of thought at some point you were going to see that bit of a a breather in a flat spot for the ravens now it's hard to say that you're at home on monday Night football but definitely a ravens team that was not fully inspired in that first half of that game and fall behind Uh, But ultimately, you knew as soon as the Ravens started clicking, you just saw the wheels coming off for the Indianapolis Colts defensively and really getting worn down. They couldn't get off the field in that second half, especially in that fourth quarter. And as soon as the Ravens won that coin flip, you knew right away that game was over. And that's exactly what happened. Baltimore drove right down, scored the touchdown, and ended that game. Now how do the Colts respond, and how do they bounce back from that? This is not a good Indianapolis Colts football team. You think about that emotional loss, very physical game against the Ravens on Monday night. That was their third straight road game. Now they're finally coming back home, and now you're going to play a Texans team. Is this team inspiring any kind of competitive outlet for the Colts to try to get themselves right? Maybe towards the second half. I will take the 10, but I thought about playing the first half. You know, the the Texans have had a lead, 20-point lead against Jacksonville in the first half. In week one, week two, they were tied at Cleveland in the first half. Week three, trailed by one against the Panthers, seven to six in the first at halftime. Got rolled by Buffalo in that game, but held Buffalo to three field goals and just one touchdown in that first half. And then week five, had a 15-9 to lead against New England. So I'm on the fence right now, Brady, as far as first half goes, but I definitely took the Texans plus ten. Yeah, I actually bet
4: the Texans plus 10 and a half was able to get the hook here in Las Vegas earlier in the week, and then I played him in the contest as well at a flat 10. And to your point about this being a possible flat spot and the schedule and the road games that the, the uh, Indianapolis Colts have played, this will be their first game of the season, James, against a lesser opponent. They opened the season with five straight games against teams that won 10 or more games in 2020. So they are on a short week playing uh, on Monday night, of course, in that loss to the Baltimore Ravens. And yeah, with that, you know, this first game being against lesser competition, it seems like that plays into a possible flat spot scenario as well. Also, here's one for you. If you look at Carson Wentz going back to that knee injury he suffered in 2017, since then he is four and 12 against the spread as a home favorite. So, I'm with you. I think it could, you know, again, it goes back to my original statement. Should the Colts be favored by 10 over anybody,
5: and especially in this spot? And thinking about the Colts here, too, you would mentioned Carson Wentz, and we know we saw that in Philadelphia the last couple years where he was on the sideline due to injury the year that the Eagles went and made the Super Bowl win, you know, the Super Bowl championship well, he's been kind of playing hero ball ever since to try to prove and validate his worth. Not only did that in Philadelphia, kind of run himself out of there, holding the football on too long, trying to make the big play instead of taking the taking the, what the defense gives you. Well, you think about what Lovey Smith does now. He's having to the defense coordinator for the Houston Texans. He's having to mask a, a lot of defensive deficiencies there. Not a great roster. Not a whole lot of talent there, but they play a lot of cover too. And don't break. Not going to let you take the top off the defense. They've played cover, two 43% of the time on defensive snaps so far this season, Brady. More than any other team thus far through five weeks in the National Football League. Is Carson Wentz going to be patient enough to take what Lovey Smith's defense will give him, those seam throws? We know what's open against cover two. You got to matriculate your way down the field. I don't know. Is Carson Wentz really going to be patient enough to do that, especially coming off the losses that they've had? A one and four football team right now, playing 10? I'm all over it. Thank you. 10.5 uh, a is a great number. I got the 10, missed the hook, but I'll still take the 10.
4: The Green Bay Packers are on a four game winning streak and atop the NFC North after barely surviving the field goal fest last week in Cincinnati. They are in Chicago to take on the Bears, who are surprisingly at three and two on the season and just a game back of the Packers in the division. James, I made this line five in favor of the Green Bay Packers, and that's where it opened up. We saw it dip down to 4 or 4.5 before going up and over the opening number of 5 and up to 6, and that's where we currently are. Green Bay favored by 6 points with a total of 44 at Soldier Field. I've seen sharp
5: opinions on either side of this game. Where do you stand, James? I stand nowhere close to taking Chicago, let's put it that way. Right now with the Chicago Bears, yeah, it's a rivalry game and we know it's it's a long standing rivalry game in the NFL but you think about the green bay packers and in particular aaron rodgers he loves this rivalry game against chicago he beats up the bears in 25 contests throughout his career he's 20 and 5 straight up not against the number but straight up 20 and 5 against the chicago bears 55 touchdown passes in those games versus just 10 interceptions and he's got a he's got a quarterback rating of 107.2 he just feasts on Chicago. It doesn't matter in what decade he's playing against these guys. He's, he's He loves playing against the Bears, and you think about the Bears right now defensively. Uh, they've had a good defensive front, but they're pretty nicked up on the defensive front right now. Khalil Mack did not practice all week. He's been nursing a foot injury. I suspect he'll be out there, but he's not going to be anywhere close to full full strength. And then Akeem Hicks is fighting through a groin injury. I think he had a limited practice on Friday, but he is nowhere close to 100% either. Those are their pests. Best 2 frontline defenders right there to try to get after Green Bay. And we did see Green Bay commit to the running game. So it's not all get the ball to Aaron Rodgers and let him do his magic and have to win all these football games and make every play. Now with thinking about Jones back there, and, and you're getting Dylan involved running the football as well as receiving the football too. I know there's some injuries to that secondary for the Green Bay Packers, but is this a Chicago Bears offense led by rookie Justin Fields that can take advantage of that? Right now, the Chicago Bears offense is last in yards per play, and that is the lowest in the NFL. They've only scored eight touchdowns throughout the season. Five of those touchdowns came on the ground with David Montgomery and Damian Williams. Well, both of those players are not going to be playing due to injury and due to COVID, respectively. So who's going to make the plays out here? Who's going to be able to score points for the Chicago Bears to try to keep up. I'm not saying this is going to be a shootout and that Green Bay is going to put 30 points on the board, but you know they're going to get some. They are going to put some points up there. Is Chicago going to be able to match it so no I didn't play this I didn't play the side I didn't lay the number but I did make a play on this Brady it's part of a it's part of a money line parlay is what I did rather than playing the teaser spot sitting at six I get better juice here better odds with the money line parlay that I went with uh, when I, we'll talk about the second half of this but I did play Packers in a money line parlay the get back is plus 102 it's just the Packers to win that's my side.
4: Yeah, you know, we saw this line jump and maybe part of that was a reaction to Justin Fields. There was news that he may have uh, injured his knee in that game against the Raiders, but he is currently listed as probable. And it looks like he'll be a go for this game on Sunday in Chicago. This is game six of the young season for the Green Bay Packers and it's the fourth one on the road and it's a tough schedule coming up for the Packers leading all the way up to their bye week. They face Washington, Arizona, the Chiefs, the Seahawks, the Vikings, And the Rams and I also think it's worth noting James defensive coordinator in Green Bay for the last few seasons was Mike Patton he is now the DC for the Chicago Bears I think he'll likely have a good idea how to slow down this offense now will that be enough I mean you made a great point there I think we know a lot of us know the history that Aaron Rodgers has not only in division but specifically against that hated rival in the Chicago Bears this is one I stayed away from as well when we come back on the other side, we'll get into our weekly game, Consider It, Book It, or Drop It, as we roll on here on the Pro Football Blitz. This
0: is the Pro Football Blitz with Brady Cannon and James Salinas on VSAN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: Make this football season your best sports betting season ever. Start your VEASAN free trial today to get full access to our sports betting experts, including 24-7 video streaming, daily best bet emails, betting splits with the money and ticket percentages on every game, plus full access to vcin.com data and analysis. You get everything VEASAN has to offer for only $22 per month. Sign up now at vcin.com slash subscribe brady cannon and james salinas with you inside the pro football blitz and time to play our weekly game consider it book it or drop it i will describe a player stat sheet james will try and guess who the player is i will reveal the mystery player and then we will decide if we want to consider a bet on it drop it or book a bet on it and i will begin here james this is going to be for mvp of the league this week the league mvp in the nfl This player has thrown for 1,368 yards, averaging over 273 yards per game. He's also thrown for 13 touchdowns, just three interceptions, and a QBR currently of 57. Picking up where he left off last year, he has proven why he is the third highest player in the NFL. His team is off to a very impressive 4-1 start. And with a win this week, it would put his team in prime position to go over their preseason win total of 9 On May 11th, this player was 16-1 to to win the MVP. Today, it's been more than cut in half. He's at plus 750 at DraftKings to win the MVP. Picking up where he left off, Dak Prescott after four games, correct? That is right, exactly right. Dak Prescott of the Dallas Cowboys, now down to plus 750. Consider it, book it, or drop it.
5: Well, I think maybe consider it. I think considering, and we had talked about uh, the Dallas Cowboys to open the 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 program and thinking about what they've been doing since that first game, that opening night game in Tampa Bay, where it was an absolute shootout. I think he had 50, 58 attempts passing the football in that game. Right? Yeah. Uh, they've made, they've been, definitely made a concerted effort to run the football. No, we can't put Dak Prescott back there, and he looks fully healthy and he's performed. He, Running the football, he's not really trying to get out of the pocket and run the football. He's back there slinging the football, but they've got the talent to do it. But they've made a concerted effort to have the Dallas Cowboys offensively to run the football. Those The next four games after that Thursday night opener against Tampa, averaging 200 yards rushing and committing to the run, more rushes than pass attempts in each of those games. Now, some soft schedule that they've somewhat soft schedule, soft defenses anyhow that they have played in the last four weeks, but that's what you're going to get. They, they have a It's a bottom half schedule for them, and this is really a soft division in my mind now that the Washington football team has not performed anywhere close to the expectations. I think my only concern would be if we're thinking, I think we consider it, I'm not going to book it, because I just don't know if Dak's going to put up the kind of Those kind of bionic numbers that we were seeing early in the season last year before he got hurt, because it's not on Dak Prescott to have to make the plays on each and every down and have to put everything on his shoulders to have to score the football. They continue running the football the way that they have. have the Dallas Cowboys. I think that's going to take some statistics away from Dak Prescott, and that could hurt his MVP chances.
4: Yeah, I think you're right about that. I, I probably, uh, I, I'm not even sure if I would consider this one. Obviously, he's a candidate at around eight to one or plus seven fifty. But I think he's an absolute slam dunk for comeback player of the year. Right? I mean, that that I mean, the price has obviously gotten away from you at this point. Uh, he, I don't know what the number is, but it's probably minus money. I mean, he might be minus two fifty yeah.
5: to win comeback player of the year. Yep. Yeah, I'm sure he is. And so we met, if we haven't if you didn't get that ticket prior to the season starting, yeah, right now he's odds-on favorite has to be for sure. And especially, I think there's there's certain guys that I think we see go through injuries and we root for them to come back just based on how well they were performing before they got hurt. And then somebody like Dak, who's just got one of those, he's he's a very infectious personality. He's a great leader for that team in Dallas. I think he's somebody that that folks want to root for to come back and be successful. And Dak Prescott's doing that. So as far as comeback player of the year is concerned, I don't even know who it, whoever's in second place. It's a far distant second.
4: All right, let's take a look at player number two. This player has thrown for over 1500 yards. He's averaging over 300 yards passing per game. Also has 10 touchdowns against four interceptions on the season. His QBR is third highest in the NFL at 68.5. He was written off as a bottom feeder in their division, was this team, and now they're in first place. They're the only unbeaten team left in the NFL. Now they have a tough game this week at Cleveland, but as of May 11th, this player's odds to win the NFL MVP were 20 to 1. They are now just a better than 5
5: to 1 at plus 550. Who's this player, James? Well, thank you for for helping me out because I was getting stumped there. But as soon as you said two things, undefeated as well as going into Cleveland, it's obviously going to be Kyler Murray with the Arizona Cardinals rolling in, the only undefeated team in the league. And they are playing at Cleveland. Going to be a tough spot for them, but it should be an interesting contest to take away and see how he's going to go perform now on the road. We know there's going to be some win there in that game in Cleveland. but. As far as Kyler Murray's concerned, I just think within that division, top to bottom, that is the most competitive division in the NFC West. And I I, I don't think, I, I'm not even going to consider it. I think I'll just drop it. He's played great through the first handful of games, and he's such a dynamic player, especially when he gets himself outside the pocket. No one is quicker, no faster feet, trying to, such a tough, try to, try to catch it. You can't catch up to him, so you got to try to contain him. Much easier said than done. Uh, but I think the league's going to start to catch up. We saw that last week with San Francisco. Great defensive game plan. Really bottled up Kyle. Really bottled up Kyler Murray. Is this the fact that you had a young rookie on the other side that they couldn't compete offensively with Arizona? But. I don't think so. I think the, the course of the season, teams will be able to to start to do better job of containing him inside the pocket, not going to be able to make as many explosive plays outside, utilizing his feet to extend plays with his arm down the field. He's a dynamic player, a fun player to watch, that's for sure. Uh, but as far as thinking about MVP, that would be something that he'd have to not only win the division, uh, you, he's going to have to win that division. I just right now don't see Arizona Cardinals being the best team within the NFC West to make that happen.
4: Yeah, I think I'm uh, along the same lines there with you. You know, I just, uh, maybe Kyler Murray is a year or two away, maybe just a year away from possibly winning an MVP award. I think he has it in his arsenal. Uh, but I don't think he's quite there yet, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what he goes through this week. You mentioned the wind up there. I mean, he's a player you hate to bet against because he has that escapability that is just crazy. Just when you think you have him for a loss, a big sack or whatever, the guy pulls a rabbit out of his hat continually and having a great season so far for the Arizona Cardinals. All right, player number three, this player has thrown for a total of 1,370 yards, averaging 274 per game, also has 12 touchdown passes, Against just two interceptions, his QBR in the season is 65.2, which is sixth in the league. And after a heck of a game last week where they were a two-and-a-half-point underdog, they ended up winning outright 38-20. to 20. This week they face another good club, and a win uh, could be just shy of their half the way to the season win total of 11 where it was preseason. As of May twenty fourth, this player's odds to win MVP were eleven to one, and now they are down to
5: less than five to one, plus four fifty at DraftKings. Yeah, well, thank you for the thirty eight to twenty as a two and a half point underdog last week, going and beating the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead outright, and Josh Allen was a big part of that. It's a big play, some broken plays for sure from that Kansas City defense, led to some big bombs down the field. I I think right now, Buffalo, thinking about the division they're in, the AFC East, clearly it's a a weak division. It's right there with the AFC South. Uh, AFC South is probably the weakest because there's not a contender in the AFC South like there is in the AFC East. But that would be the Buffalo Bills. And I think in the AFC North, whoever comes out of that, how battle scarred are they going to be coming out, whether it's Baltimore and or Cleveland getting out of there on top? Uh, yeah, I think it's something to consider. I think the only the other thing to consider, though, is thinking about how soft the B- Bills' schedule is going to be as they continue p- through their divisional play. Well, do they when do they start to to take the foot off the gas when they're up? In some of these games, you saw that they were burying Houston a couple weeks ago. Start to take the foot off the gas. They got bigger eyes on the prize to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, they'd love to get their quarterback the MVP and put up lots of gaudy numbers, but I just think there's going to be a lot of games where it's kind of a, a, a it's going to be one sided come halftime. Well, then we know sometimes these all about the numbers. That kind of hurts Josh Allen in that sense. But I think right now, clearly, a for in the AFC, the Buffalo Bills ha- have the the fast track to the number one seed in the conference. And I think that might play some points for voters thinking about the who's responsible for that. And a lot of that. it's a lot of lot there. There's a lot of credit to go around, but it always starts with the quarterback position and Josh Allen. I'm not going to book it, but I think I'll consider it.
4: Yeah, I would definitely consider this one of the three. This would probably be my favorite play on Josh Allen. And that team Uh, And who knows what they're going to do on Monday night against the Titans. It could possibly be a letdown spot. But right now, this team really looks to be firing on all cylinders. And that showed on Sunday night in an effort over the Kansas City Chiefs Uh, at 450 plus 450. I still don't think it's a bad bet. And what you're talking about, James, Uh, you can kind of look at that two ways, and I think if you're going to make a bet on this, you have to handicap it, uh, you know, and look at both sides that you're making there, where, you know, is this guy going to collect a lot of stats and and just pile up on some bad teams and, and come out with a stat sheet at the end of the year that is ridiculous, or is he going to suffer some playing time because they're taking him out of games in the fourth quarter or what have you? Uh, so I think if you're making a bet on this one, you do have to think about that. And, and maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves, too, thinking that the Buffalo Bills are just going to cruise the rest of the way and, and Josh Allen's going to be coming out of games down the stretch, uh, down the season in garbage time. But uh, a fun exercise is always there. Dak Prescott in the neighborhood of plus 750, Kyler Murray at plus 550, and then Josh Allen at plus 450 to win NFL MVP. When we come back, we jump back into the games, and we'll start with those Kansas City Chiefs. They're in the nation's capital this week in Week 6.
3: This is the Pro Football Blitz with Brady Cannon and James Salinas on VSAN,
0: the Sports Betting Network.
4: Get ready for all the action this NBA season with the v Sin Basketball Betting Experts. Grab your copy of the v Sin Pro Basketball Betting Guide now with strategies, predictions, and best bets to stay ahead of the odds makers. Our hoop ep- experts, including Jonathan Tobel, provide strategy, advice, as well as predictions for conference winners, season win totals, playoff teams, and player awards. The digital guide is a must-have, so give yourself a betting edge this NBA season. Get your copy now. It's only 999 dollars 99 at vcin.com slash subscribe. Welcome back to the Pro Football Blitz. Brady Cannon and James Salinas with you. And James, the Kansas City Chiefs, they have played the Browns, the Ravens, the Chargers, and then they got a bit of a break. They went on the road to take on the Philadelphia Eagles, and they handled that one, 42-30, your final there. It feels similar. They come off of that loss to the Buffalo Bills. Now they're going to go out on the road against a lesser opponent. They're favored by a touchdown once again, as they were against the Philadelphia Eagles. That will be Sunday's matchup. With the Washington football team, currently six and a half. It's bounced around really most of the week between six and a half and seven. The Washington football team, their defensive woes continued last week. They surrendered 33 points to the New Orleans Saints. And I made this number right where it is. I made it six and a half, James. And the total is very interesting. And we talked about this about the Cleveland game. The total here is 54 And my first reaction was, how is either team going to stop one another, these two defenses? And maybe that total isn't high enough, but – there is supposed to be some wind in the area, in over Maryland, anywhere from 10 to 20 miles an hour on Sunday, and because of that, we've seen this total remain pretty static. Uh, it has not gone up, and it not really has uh, has we really seen it come down yet either. But that is a factor, the wind in this ball game, and certainly that is going to affect Patrick Mahomes, maybe more so than Taylor Heineke in that offensive attack for Kansas City.
5: Well, you mentioned the defenses, Brady, and you think about Washington and. Is there a more de- disappointing defensive effort so far through five weeks in the NFL than the Washington football team right now? and Maybe Kansas City, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Well, but they didn't have the talent nor the expectation when it came to the defense, right? Kansas City, you, you totally think of Mahomes and you knew there was a lot of holes. There was holes on the offensive line from last year in the Super Bowl, but a lot of holes defensively. And for that Kansas City team and Mahomes masks a lot of that when he puts up so many points, uh, that defense gets to just put on one gear and get after the quarterback because the other teams are playing catch up. Here in this game here, thinking about Washington, though, it discontinued. I think the biggest thing for Washington, not getting pressure on the quarterback in any consistency whatsoever. Uh, and they're not getting off the field on third down. They are second to last when it comes to opponents being able to move the sticks on them. 56% of the time, teams are moving the ball on third down and converting those and moving, moving the chains on third down. And I think it just kind of gets this team gassed because you see them in the fourth quarter and they seem to compete. They're there neck and neck for a bit. Last week, same kind of thing against the the New Orleans Saints, but they just can't, can't, the defense just runs out of gas, I think, because they can't get off the field on third down and that's resulted in them, as far as their team collectively defensively, giving up the second most points in the National Football League. Their opponent that they're facing on Sunday, the Kansas City Chiefs, that defense gives up the most points in the NFL on defense, and they're missing a couple key players in this game. Chadavius Ward will not be there again for the Kansas City Chiefs, nor will Chris Jones, really the only playmaker on that front line for the Kansas City Chiefs defense. So again, it just falls on Mahomes to have to make plays, but... Gonna be missing a couple playmakers out there, at least one playmaker for sure, with Clyde Edwards Hilaire. He will not be playing in this game against Washington. And as far as Tyreek Hill is concerned, he had a quadriceps injury that he suffered in that Bill's loss. Well, he did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday. Was only limited in practice on Friday in that and for the Kansas City Chiefs. So gotta check his status here, too. I definitely would lean towards the over here, but right now. Uh, there's some issues on the on the Chiefs side as far as the offense is concerned. And I don't know. Is is this a team with Washington that we trust? to I don't trust them to be able to get off the field and stop anybody. I don't trust the Chiefs either. But right now, Washington is also turning the football over at a pretty, uh, pretty in, alarming rate, too, with Taylor Heineke, young quarterback that he is. And then McLaurin, their best receiver. For the Washington football team, he pulled up. He was pulled out of practice on Friday with a hamstring injury. I think it's just precautionary. Have to check the in-after reports. I suspect he'll be available for this game against Kansas City But there's another big playmaker right there that is questionable to compete in this contest.
4: You talked about third down conversions. Kansas City converts on third down nearly 59% of the time. And you talked about Washington, their defense, allowing conversions by the opponent 56% of the time. That's number one in the league versus number 31 in the league. So quite a mismatch there. For the Kansas City Chiefs, it is odd, though, when you look at the bulk of the numbers, these teams are actually quite similar. If you look at total DVOA, that's a football analytic from Football Outsiders, they have Kansas City at 14th in the league and Washington at 19th in the league. I thought it was pretty interesting that they're so close together there. I mean, the perception is Washington's a pretty awful team. I think there's uh, still people out there that rate Kansas City pretty high. Uh, We noted this last week on the program, James, and I was on the New Orleans Saints, and it worked out again. I believe the Washington Redskins are now 0-9 straight up. When their offensive lineman Brandon Sheriff is not in the line is not in the lineup, and it allows uh, opponents to really get to the quarterback. Tyler, uh, Taylor Heineke should be on the lookout from Kansas City. Maybe they'll get healthy with a few more sacks here this week. But Brandon Sheriff has proved to be a real cog in that offensive line for the Washington Redskins, and he is out of this game once again against Kansas City on Sunday. All right, the Carolina Panthers have lost two straight, and the Minnesota Vikings, they have won two out of their last three. They are going to match up in Charlotte on Sunday. And James, I made this game a pick em. It opened up with the Panthers favored by a point, and then we got the news that Christian McCaffrey was probably going to not suit up for this game. It looked like he might be in action, but looks like he will miss this game once again, and Minnesota moved to a two-and-a-half-point favorite, currently your total at 45 and a half. What do you expect to happen here? Does Minnesota continue to roll or do the Panthers snap a two
5: game skid? But thinking about the Vikings going on the road now, very, very fortunate, especially for those of us in survivor Brady that had the Vikings oh my goodness. Yes. in that game. <laughs> I I had given up. I really had figured out. Well, that was fun. Thanks for playing. Thanks for coming out and donating your dollars to to the survivor pool because I'm finished there. And, yeah, the Detroit Lions just can't finish these games. You think about Baltimore a few weeks ago with just a few seconds on the clock, and there's Justin Tucker hitting a, a, a record 66-yard field goal that they gave up. Kind of same thing here, just 37 seconds, I think, was all that was on the clock for Kirk Cousins and company to be able to move the ball down the field and kick a long 50-plus-yard field goal. and. I don't know. This Vikings team, to me, it's a hard team for me to figure out. And Coach Zim has been around a long time, and you know what he's going to be doing defensively. He's a team that is going to scheme you. He's a coach that's going to scheme you on third down, get off the field on third down. But there's uh, some issues going on right now And you uh, between Kirk Cousins uh, and not only with Cousins and that offense and that locker room, but also with Coach Zim. Do you see how uh, – I just thought it was funny, Brady. When you saw Kirk Cousins standing next to Zim when the field goal went through, and he punches him in the chest, and then he grabs his <laughs> he grabs his hoodie. And this wasn't celebration coming; it was celebration from Cousins. But there was no celebrations from Zim. I thought he was going to throw a chingazo at him, like he had that look at him, and he fired him off. You saw one of the assistant coaches come over and grab Zim uh, because not that Zim was going to go out there and punch him, but he sure had that look in his eye. But that just tells me that that assistant coach clearly knows that Zim does not like Kirk Cousins. And don't even think about putting your hands on me, young fella. I know we won the game. I am not. We're not boys. You're not my homie. We're not (laughs) going to celebrate in that fashion. (laughs) (laughs) It's exactly right. So there's just some disconnect there for sure. But then on the other side... Oh man, thinking about the Panthers. I guess the shine, the shine is off, right? We saw the first few weeks, and the Panthers were everybody's the better's darling through the first three weeks. Really, a, a soft schedule, and then they got it handed to them against Dallas, and then really just a debacle offensively last week against Philly. Unfortunately, we saw the the Sam Darnold revert to playing as a New York Jet in his days there with with the uh, the green and white where three interceptions last week a qbr of just 17.2 awful game from sam darnold particularly in the second half for this carolina panthers team i I would kind of go contrarian maybe lean towards the panthers in this spot with everybody telling them they can't compete and maybe a little dysfunction going on in that locker room between head coach and quarterback with the vikings but for me I did not get involved. I am not playing this game.
4: I think both of these coaches are good coaches, but I kinda, I'm kind of, i kind of with you. I kind of trust Matt Rule to get his act together or get his team's back act together and get back into the win column here. Uh, I tease the Panthers up to plus 8.5, and, a half, and I, I trust the line movement here as well where it's kind of flipped back and forth on either side of zero. That's telling me the odds makers expect it to be and the market expects it to be a close game. You talked about uh, Kirk Cousins and Mike Zimmer. The Minnesota Vikings have been involved in one-score games 10 times in their last 13, and already four times this season. Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer, with Kirk Cousins as his quarterback, is 4-10 and against the spread when he plays outdoors, on the road, against a winning opponent. And, and you know, trends, we sometimes throw them out the window, but I think, I think this one makes sense. They're away from home where they play indoors they go out on the road on grass as a road favorite and they don't always succeed in that situation i'm kind of with you uh didn't go straight just to the side but teased the panthers up to plus eight and a half when we come back it's time to reveal the consensus five picks and also the circus survivor most popular play Derek stevens and jeff benson up next with us on the pro football blitz